0: to Poldark Fancast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you all the banter about the Poldark saga. We are your hosts.
1: Hi, my name is Rita. I live in England. I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites.
0: And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I Tumblr at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings.
1: And thank you all for joining us. This week, we will be recapping and discussing episode 503. It aired this past Sunday night on BBC One. So if you haven't seen the episode and you're averse to the whole spoiler thing, then we recommend coming back when you have actually seen it. Yeah. Now that the spoiler warning is done, we can start the podcast. But before we get into the recap, (laughs) a little correction from last week. We mispronounced Ned Despard's secretary's name like a hundred times my bad because <laughs> i didn't turn on the closed captioning and it really <laughs> fucking sounded like valentine <laughs> in fact his name's actually bannentine Be- so that's not even a real name is it it's not my fault oh, oh my god <laughs> no apologies i blame the entire cast for not enunciating their bees on to the recap
0: Alrighty then. Well, this week's episode began where last week's left off, with the cast back in Cornwall. And Ross and Demelza being adorable AF, discussing how much they still like each other, and making out on clifftops like it's 1787. (laughs) Unfortunately, the current day collides with them in the form of a if you're reading this, it's too late. Letter. Not from international superstar rapper Drake, but from Ballantyne. Or what's his name? Ballantyne? Ballen- Bannon Time? It's ba- Okay, sorry. But it's from <laughs> Bannon Time, uh, who is drowned AF and begging Ross to preserve his family and distance himself from Ned. But this is Ross, so he just stuffs the letter back into his back pocket and gets back to everyday life.
1: Everyday life like the villagers starving, and Rosina's little brother Tommy has the scurvy. <laughs> you know, yeah. polar things. Uh, her other brother Arthur is now 12 years old, so his father Jackie goes to Ross and begs him to be allowed below ground. Ross refuses, stating that the pretty arbitrary age of 14 is when he allows kids below ground to die so they can, <laughs> quote, live longer. <laughs> Jackie's like, okay, dude, but we're starving now. Uh, We might not make it to 14. (laughs) And decides (sighs) to take Arthur over to Wheel Plenty, Sir George's mine. Uh, You know, where they just love child labour. A plot anvil. Falls from the sky. Bwang! At Killer Warren... Caroline and Horace learn that Dwight has been offered to become the head of the Royal Cornish Infirmary. He is dubious about accepting because he believes that he was offered it largely down to the notoriety he attained during the Hadfield trial. Uh, Caroline begs him to reconsider it, of course. And he's like, grumble, grumble, I'll think about it.
0: (laughs) Over at Tranwith, when still hallucinating George tries to leave the house, Uncle Carrie has him dragged into his room by a footman. Not in the job description, I don't think. Poor footman. Um, yeah. Um maybe an armman, I don't know. Um, when Uncle Carrie comes to check on him, he raises a gun up from underneath his pillow. Remember the gun he keeps in his room from seasons ago? What a callback! In front of him are Hallucination Lizzie and Hallucination Ross.
2: What have I stolen? George. She was never yours to begin with. Never. George, it's me. I pity you. Nephew, it's your uncle. There it is. I want your pity. Nephew, I want you in hell. That'll be the day. Put the pistol. You are always an atrocious shot. It's me.
0: And he shoots his uncle. Luckily, the gun wasn't loaded.
1: I mean, I think I'm not entirely sure how guns work. I, I don't think it was either. Um, and all that bursts
0: out is a cloud of gunpowder. Because, you know, this is George. How, is, how familiar is he with dueling pistols? <laughs> anyway, just as George becomes somewhat lucid, Carrie learns they have a visitor, Ralph Hansen. Dun, dun, dun. And leaves George locked in his room. Ralph is just in the area. What? And wants to get back to business, but Uncle Carry obviously can't let that happen. So he tells him Sir George has been called away to the north of England. But let's get real. Southerners consider anything north of the M25 the north. Um, what, what, What is that? M25? I mean, I know that's a road. It's, but where is that in the relationship to the the country? It's
1: basically a round circular road that surrounds the whole of London. <laughs> call it a road would be generous. It's really more like a parking garage situation where uh, everybody tries to leave London after they finish work because nobody can afford to live there, and you sit there for three hours.
0: Ugh. God, that sounds really familiar.
1: Hashtag British facts.
0: (laughs) Okay, on with the show. Uh, Ralph looks suspicious when he hears yelling and furniture scraping above him. Turns out Uncle Carrie is a shit liar.
1: (laughs) Over in Seoul, Demelza is bemoaning that, quote, there has never been such scarcity, end quote. For like the fifth season in a row, they have hit rock bottom. They really mean it this time. Anyway, she's interrupted by Tess, who points out the girls are being pushed into prostitution. We ain't all lucky enough to sell our body to our master for the price of a wedding ring, mistress. She'd no business to say that.
2: She's right. I knew what I was doing when I went to Ross's room that night. He was an honourable man, and I took advantage
1: In his time of weakness. Well, sure, Demelza. Ross had no power to reject the teenage girl in his employ. (laughs) Kitty explains that she too did the same. (laughs) They're again interrupted by Clowence and a very problematic Jeremy, who wants to show off how great a reader he is to his mama. So much better than that poor, starving Tommy who can't even read a word. As the kids say today, check your privilege, Jeremy. Yeah. Just kidding. You're like... (laughs) Eight. Um, (laughs) But it does get Demelda to thinking. And she decides that the biggest difference between the gentry and the common folk is education. And she has an idea to combat that. Every Saturday, the children of Will Grace will be given the afternoon off with pay to learn reading and writing. Mm
0: -hmm. And you know what I found interesting was that Jacka immediately starts complaining uh, about all of this. And it's like, yo, dude, he's going to get paid. <laughs> he's going to get paid. I think
1: Jack just likes a good moan. He's oh, one of well, them.
0: you know, he's still pissed off about the, the whole jilting thing. You know, remember he did burn Drake's uh, uh, forge down.
1: You know. A good time was had by di- all. Yeah, I digress.
0: Uh, Caroline, appalled at the treatment Kitty is receiving in Cornwall, decides to host a party to, quote, Broaden the narrow little minds. God, I love that line. Uh, end quote. Of the great and the good of the county. Unfortunately, everyone there is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Dr. Penrose, who is the de facto head of the Royal Cornish Infirmary. Uh, in other words, dude, dude, dude needs to go. And we have a perfect replacement for him. <laughs> um, anyhow, this dude is spouting some Real racist bullshit that we will go into in our history section about the four varieties of human. <sighs> um, it that, it made my I was clenching my teeth through that whole. thing. I can't
1: even hear that sentence um, without shuddering.
0: <laughs> oh, oh. Anyhow, um, when he is introduced to Kitty, he is left blessedly speechless. Also at this party is Lady Whitworth. Ozzy's mother, remember her? Who is confronted by Marwenna, begging for information on her son, Conan. Turns out, Conan is doing pretty well, despite being a bit sickly. He has two tutors, a fencing master, a writing instructor, and a personal physician. So, obviously, receiving quite the upbringing.
1: Damn, son. hmm Also in attendance at this party is Ralph Hansen. I don't get who invited him. Caroline? who obviously takes the opportunity to provoke Kitty into telling him about her, quote, savage origins, and, quote, I hope the eye roll was implicit in my tone. Uh-uh. She tells him that her husband bought her before he freed her from a man named O'Hara, Ralph's overseer in Honduras. Kitty's mother used to beg O'Hara to sell her so that Kitty wouldn't end up being raped by Ralph. She was 12. Ugh. Yeah. Is it not a slave's
2: duty to perform as directed? You should have been grateful for my notice.
1: Ned, very understandably, goes to fight Ralph, but is beaten to the punch by Ross. Literally, he punches him. And then he publicly accuses Ralph of killing Ballantyne. Before things
0: can kick, no, 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 no. it's not Baldo, Ballanty- it not? not Valentine. Let's let's get it. Yeah, let's 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 get it right. It is Bannon time.
1: That guy. Bannon time. Before things can kick off into a brawl, Sam rushes into the ballroom and yells about an accident at Will Plenty. Again, that is a Will of mine. A massive rockfall has blocked the main shaft there. Ah, like 20 miners missing, some of them children. Everyone wonders if word has reached Sir George.
0: Sir George, meanwhile, is puking his guts out and covered with blisters from leeches. Uncle Carey has employed the racist Dr. Penrose, who promised he has, quote, proven cures, unquote, but is instead basically torturing him and feeding him lacrima papaveris which is the medical name for opium. That's sure to cut down on the hallucinations, don't you think?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a little.
0: Uh, Sir George looks truly messed up. In the midst of this, Carrie gets word of the disaster at Wheel Plenty and talks to the mine captain. Any attempt to clear the main shaft will take at least three weeks. Much too late for any survivors, and he has taken the decision to close the mine.
1: Ross is unhappy with this decision and bands together a motley crew of ned sam drake dwight jeffrey charles and zacky and together they decide they're going to blast their way inside the shaft with a lot of dynamite and Zacky's useful knowledge of the local caves Needless to say, this plan is incredibly dangerous and it soon turns into an Indiana Jones territory with massive drops in the ground. (laughs) So massive that when they drop their torch down, you never actually see it hit the bottom. It just keeps going and going and going. (laughs) But luckily for everyone, Ned is around to be a massive bellend and make a dangerous situation much worse. Despite being on the wrong side of 50, let's face it, he takes a running leap across the canyon and gets himself stuck, hanging off the edge of the drop, holding on for his dear life. Yay! Despite everyone screaming no in unison at Ross... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he follows him in the whole running leap situation. Luckily, he actually lands his jump and he helps Ned up. The rescue continues as the mine shakes around them. Again, very Indiana Jones. Quick. Before the Temple of Doom turns on us. (laughs) One by one, they carry out the survivors and the dead to the edge of the cave where Dwight is waiting to give them medical attention. Or, you know, cut off their legs, as he does to one minor in a particularly brutal scene that I did not want to watch. Eventually, the villagers work out that the rescue is taking place and Rosina and Jekka come in search of Arthur, who is brought out by an exhausted-looking Ross... And Arthur's alive! Yay! Yay! So,
0: not happy with the aforementioned blistering and drugging of George, Dr. Penrose is now trying the drowning method that Rita spoke about on last week's podcast. Dunking him repeatedly into a tub of freezing cold water and holding him down while he struggles. It is truly a horrific sight. When that doesn't work... Penrose puts George in a straitjacket-like device, where his arms and legs are strapped together, and he is trapped, lying on his bed. Uncle Carrie has become more and more distressed as the, quote, cures, end quote, have become increasingly brutal, and he can't stand to watch as George is strapped in. Over at Nampara, everyone is celebrating the rescue, including Valentine, who is brought over by his brother Jeffrey Charles, who finds the kid wandering around by himself... Honestly, is he ever supervised? No, because the um, nurse is always focused on Ursula. And when he asks her a question, she never answers him. It is the most annoying and aggravating thing that I think I've seen on the show this season. Anyway, there is a bit of an awkward pause when the boy enters the room. But he is soon ushered towards Jeremy and Clowence by Demelza again. Awkward! And all three Poldark children are running around playing. Aw.
1: Back at Trenwith, one of the maids who is tasked with feeding a restrained George unleashes one hand so that he can eat. But after she leaves, he unties himself and runs off into the countryside. And just as nighty, I hope he doesn't catch a chill. His first port of call is, of course, Nampora, where he watches through the window as Valentine happily sits next to Ross, who is his father after all, just saying. It's an image straight out of A Christmas Carol, except in this version the ghost is telling George that everyone is happier without him, so he runs off to the clifftops to manifest his suicidal identations. Luckily, Dwight, forever the smartest, most observant man in the room, catches him running off in the window, and follows him. Dwight stops him before George jumps off that cliff and makes him go back to Trenwith, where he gives Dr. Penrose and Uncle Carrie a telling off. They're not curing insanity, they're 100% inducing it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Ross takes Valentine home, and while over at Trenwith and catching Uncle Carrie in a vulnerable position, trying to ward off any suspicion of anything being amiss, to Ralph Hansen, who happened to Popeye, um, Ross actually manages to coerce him into paying for Jeffrey Charles' first year at a military academy, which I guess is a win, but poor Uncle Carrie has a lot on his plate right now. Back at Namparat, Kitty and Demelza share a quiet moment where they discuss their husband's respective impulsive natures. They both fear that Ned and Ross's continued proximity will only lead to more and more reckless behavior. And I happen to agree. Oh,
1: I think we all do. Yeah. The episode ended with a Romelza scene. It was beautiful. Uh, This time, Demelza was in the tub while Ross helps her scrub winky emoji face. Mm -hmm. Except there's no, like, sexy, sexy time mood. Demelza is guilt-stricken that she might have gotten... Okay, how do you pronounce his name?
0: Oh, my gosh. It is... About
1: ba- Bannin time. Bannon time. time oh, Again, everybody last week <laughs> pronounced it like Valentine. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Anyway, baby girl, the only one that killed him was Ralph. And Ross reassures her that it isn't her fault. Demelza also wonders what exactly Wickham wanted Ross to report about Ned. Treasonous acts or just random reckless dumb shit. God that's gonna be a long report if that's the case. <laughs> Ross says that his recent acts couldn't be considered sedacious, but that it also concerns him how impetuous Ned is. Oh, how the turntables, as Michael Scott often does.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So, um, this episode, what did you think, Rita?
1: First time around, I found it. Very hard to watch. I, like, fully sobbed for a good ten minutes. Chunk, I was just, like, very emotional. Um, but obviously it was a very good episode if it moved me. I mean, which is hard to do most weeks because, like, I'm a cynical dick about this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rewatching, I did find a, a few little niggles with some things, but it's not to the extent that I dislike it any more than I initially did. I think it's still one of the better episodes of this entire show.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I I thought it was just freaking epic, you know. Um and honestly, I swear this show is going to kill me with the feels. Um Ugh. It it really is. Um I thought it was an outstanding episode. Outstanding right up there with one of the episodes from season 1.
1: I'm going to bring down the mood now and it's time for historical fact. Check. <sighs> okay this episode dealt with a lot of racist subjects which is always like deeply uncomfortable to discuss but i think it's important that we talk about it you know we need to talk talk about the direct references the show is making and also just arm ourselves with more knowledge because that's you know this this shit's important so by 1800 when this show is set Uh, The scientific community held credence with the concept that there was empirical evidence to support or justify racism. Uh, The scientist name dropped in this episode was Carl Linnaeus, which I think is how you pronounce it. A Swedish physician, botanist and zoologist famous for naming and classifying flowers and plants. He was also one of the first to group humans with apes. Which was very controversial at the time. He also labelled five varieties of humans in his book *Systema Naturae*, each one more racist than the last. Uh, okay, <laughs> so these are the five. Bear with me for some potentially inflammatory things. Um, the first one was the Americanus, which he called red, choleric, righteous, black, straight, thick hair, stubborn, zealous, free. Painting himself with red lines and regulated by customs. Some of that is just random. Yeah. Um The Europeanus, which is white sanguine <gasps> I know what sanguine, brawny with abundant long hair, blue eyes, gentle, acute, inventive, covered with close vestments and governed by laws. <laughs> <laughs> Asia, the Asiaticus. Uh, Yellow. <laughs> no, I can't believe I'm having to say these things. Melancholic. Uh, stiff. Black hair. Dark eyes. Severe. Haughty. Greedy. Covered with loose clothings and ruled by opinions. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, the Afa or Africanus. Black. Phlegmatic.
0: Phlegmatic.
1: Okay. Relaxed. Black frizzled hair, silky skin, flat nose, timid lips, females without shame. Oh, God. Mammary glands give milk abundantly. How the fuck would he know that? Uh, crafty, sly, lazy, cunning, lustful, careless anoints himself with grease and governed by caprice. Oh. <laughs> okay, but before you start thinking anything this guy says is remotely scientific, in early editions of System oh. and Atreia, <laughs> many well-known legendary creatures were included such as the phoenix, dragons, and manticore. So obviously, the racism makes as much sense as dragons. Oh. That was really hard to say aloud.
0: Oh, God. It was really hard to hear.
1: What the really fuck was wrong with the world? Is wrong with the world.
0: Oh, my God. Honestly. Whoa. So let's, uh, let's shake loose from Matt and get into the storylines. First up, We got George and Uncle Kerry.
1: So, whoops, I accidentally spoiled this one too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The history fact check about mental illness last week mentioned the drowning method, so I'm guessing Debbie has been reading all the same Wikipedia pages as me. (laughs) Anyway, that was a really great episode for Jack Farthing. Uh, Barely said anything at all, actually, but still managed to really messed me up emotionally uh and uncle carrie is slowly becoming a favorite character for me like just watching him react to things and his look of heartbreak growing with each episode with george like hopefully he reaches out to Dwight next week because i can't bear this Mm
0: -hmm. yeah me me neither me neither Uh, who knew that these two would deliver performances so stellar as to make me feel heart sick for them both you know uh, seeing the dawning horror spreading across Uncle Carry's face over the torture he's willingly submitted to his network nephew was really so hard to watch. And as for George, just cut me like a muffin flump and pilcher, why don't you, Mr. Parthing? <laughs> just, here, here's a knife. Just go for it. Go for it. Oh, so, uh, off to Ross, Ned, and the mine collapse.
1: Oh God! The amount of times Ross shook his head at Ned this episode was monumental. We should definitely do a count <laughs> on a rewatch. Ah, <laughs> oh,
0: hashtag New Poldark drinking game. Oh.
1: <laughs> and you know you're doing something truly stupid when Ross, the idiot trademark, starts judging you. <laughs> I think, like, something about having Ned around makes me, like, really enjoy Ross more. By contrast, he (laughs) seems super (laughs) level-headed. I'm thinking Debbie should have brought him around in season two. Anyway, Mm. the way Ned and Ralph seem obsessed with each other reminds me a lot of Ross and George. I almost expected someone to gouge someone else's eyes out in that stupid scene in the... (laughs) The Only Inn in Cornwall... (laughs)
0: yeah yeah it's the eye gouge that should be the name of it not the red lion
1: that's what it's famous for um as for the mind collapse i'm kind of a little annoyed we literally had a mind collapse halfway into season four and they're pulling it out again so soon (laughs) i guess if you like people jumping and wool shaking this was like a really great episode for you but mostly i rolled my eyes at the dumb hero bullshit
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we had to have the whole Jacka slash Rage Against the Poldarks thing come to a close, and what better way to do it than to have Ross save one of the wee bitty hoblins, you know? Uh, because you know, I uh, the time has come for Jacka to stop bitching at the Poldarks. Uh, but I totally agree with you. I think that 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 it was uh, a little convenient to have a, another mine collapse happen but you know here's here's an interesting question um how often did they have mine collapses back in the day probably a that lot. could be something interesting yeah that could be something interesting to to look up for our history corner next week
1: i'm imagining that there weren't very good safety regulations but yeah
0: Yeah, health and safety really wasn't around.
1: I swear to God it collapsed in the exact same way the other one collapsed, which was the main shaft. Mm. But that one, like, filled with water. Anyway, who cares about that? They don't want us to remember that this happened so soon. No, 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 no. no, (laughs) Let's move on to the next storyline. Demelza and her education subplot.
0: Oh, I really loved how this was introduced over the course of the episode. Like this... This um, unwinding kind of ribbon of an idea um, over the course of, of the episode. I have an idea.
1: Mm-hmm. A little light bulb went over, <laughs> up over mm-hmm. it. Bling! Yeah. Or a lit candle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, someone make that gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed this storyline a lot. A, because it gave us some fun callbacks to season one with Demelza reminiscing about her urchin days. <laughs> oh. uh, and it also gave her something constructive and positive to do other than just hand out food, which she's been yeah. doing for a good five seasons now and it doesn't seem to have worked. Yeah. And I also love that it had more when it tied into the storyline, like giving her something to do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not just sitting around talking about men anymore. Yeah, so we, we can finally pass the Beckdale test. Congrats!
0: <laughs> Yay! Um, I love the way um, I love the way Morwenna's face just lights up when uh, there's a child around. Oh, have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean it's it's just gorgeous um, and uh, really amazing acting work done by Elise Chepel. Just just lovely. I'm really liking Morwenna in this in this um, this season.
1: I wish I could say the same about her wig.
0: <laughs>
1: but we'll she's say- out in the sun more.
0: She's out in the sun more, so she's getting those like blonde, blonde, sunny streaks in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what happens to black hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Uh, on to speaking of Morwenna, uh, let's uh, go into Morwenna and Lady Whitworth.
1: Ah, great scenes. I'm so glad that this is being dealt with on the show because they made that massive change to her character mm-hmm. in the books by having her being such a much more loving and caring mother, something that she was much too traumatized to ever be in the books. Mm-hmm. It felt really weird that last season she essentially abandoned her kid to Lady Whitworth.
0: Yeah, preach it, preach it. Um uh and for the first two minutes that she in I mean and for the two minutes that she was on the screen, Rebecca Front, who plays Lady Whitworth, all but chewed the paneling off of Karen's foyer with her acting. I mean, it she was she was formidable and terrifying all at the same time. Really great job.
1: What was your favorite scene of the episode? Oh god. Um There were
0: so many, but you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for Romelza. After all, you know, I do have that tattooed on my wrist now. Um, (laughs) um, I would have to say all the wonderful Romelza moments that we had throughout the episode. Uh, And not only all of the sweet kissy face moments. uh, When they were talking about, when they were walking along the cliffs and talking about, um, you know, do you like me? I was just up. I was a puddle on the floor because that scene um, is my favorite scene of the entire series uh, from series one where they're walking along and, and it's just the sweetest thing and then they redid it and it was like, oh my God, you're killing me. Um, but uh, all of the times that they were just talking, simply talking to one another, you know, like we've been dying for them to do um, for the last three seasons, um, that just warmed my heart so much. Um, so yeah, I would have to say it was uh, all of the lovely Romelza that we got this week.
1: Oh yeah, that was some good shit. That hit all the. Yeah, <laughs>
0: some, yeah some primo shit, man.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> um, I think I really enjoyed the scene where Tess changed um, uh challenged Demelza about. Selling herself to her master. Mm -hmm. It's one of the more interesting concepts of that first novel for me. As much as I think Demelza loved Ross, part of why the blue dress scene happened was because she was honestly terrified of being sent home in the morning and desperate to stay. And she was literally willing to do anything, including using her sexuality as a means of manipulating that situation. I think it shows an incredible amount of gutsiness for Demelza, but it's also super depressing when you think about the societal implications that Mm -hmm. all of these women's power and their only power for survival were the sexuality.
0: Yeah.
1: This is overtly obvious for the women selling themselves on the Key, but like it's true of even someone like Moena, who mm-hmm. had no power over her sexuality with her first husband, and she's finally finding some sense of control by being able to say no, and that being respected. If and when that relationship is consummated, it will be on her terms, and that's mm-hmm. incredibly powerful for her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, none of this is actually explicitly spoken about in the novels, or really thought about, because I think gender dynamics were a bit beyond 1940s winston graham bless him (laughs) so for me it's really nice to see the show addressing it because i think there's a, a female writer gives it a different perspective and you've got all of this um background and like feminism and this whole third wave feminism thing you know we've got a better understanding of what the situation really was yeah so
0: yeah yeah i thoroughly agree with you a thousand percent um that was a really fantastic scene and um really amazing to see how this is being addressed in the show so uh bravo uh debbie horsfield bravo Yay! yeah
1: yeah we have positive things to say <laughs>
0: Honestly, uh, she's just done a bang-up job uh, this season. Okay, so what was your least favorite scene?
1: Oh, uh, not because I didn't like it, but because it just, like, emotionally destroyed me. Uh, George's escape
2: uh.
1: into Nampara, watching the ha- everyone's happiness through the window pane, and then his trying to jump off a cliff. Um, yeah. I actually felt quite triggered, you know. I just, like using that word because it's not quite what I mean. but I'm kind of forced to use it anyway because it brought back a lot of intense emotions and memories from my own struggles with mental illness. And I don't necess- necessarily see that as a negative thing. In fact, it the fact that it could elicit that kind of reaction means that it was a truthful and powerful performance. And that's honestly so rare. I very <sighs> rarely relate to depictions of mental illness on screen
0: Mm, yeah um yeah for me it was all the scenes showing george's treatment for insanity um i am not a very squeamish person i mean you know one of my favorite things to do is listen to true crime podcasts and uh you know that that sort of thing um but uh they made all of that look really too real for me and um I found it incredibly difficult to watch. Um, Of course, that all ties into the amazing performance that we had from from Jack Farthing this week.
1: Of all of the treatments, which one would you least enjoy? The drowning. I think for me, it would be being restrained.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a, have a, a deep deep fear of drowning. Um, I, I do know how to swim, but it took me, I didn't really learn until I was in college, uh, because of, uh, just the, the fear of deep water for me. And, um, um, seeing that was really quite terrifying, quite terrifying. I think
1: it's more terrifying because it's relatively shallow water (laughs) and he's just being shoved
0: Yes. Oh god. Yeah.
1: Oh. Thanks Rita for making it even more explicit.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh god. So it, we- it's it's 6:20 in the morning and I really could use a drink. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. But no.
0: I got to go to work. So let's 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 move into something more pleasant. The performance of the week. Um do I even need to say
1: it? <laughs> uh yeah. I ha- I struggled to give it to anyone other than Jack Farthing because his performance moved me profoundly and really struck as truthful. Um, but I have to also mention Pip Torrens as Uncle Carrie, Ugh. who is giving oh such a great performance. He's having one hell of a season. He's managed yeah. to humanize a man who I thought was little more than a pantomime villain last season.
0: Yes, 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 yes. He... I have enjoyed, uh, Pip Torrance's performances in so many different, um, series. Um, I can't name them all, but, you know, it, it's one of the- it, crown, it's one of those the crown. things. You know, oh, okay. Well, there we go. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you'll be watching, you'll be innocently watching some, you know, like British drama or something along those lines, and all of a sudden, BING! There's Pip Torrance. Yeah. And it's like, and, and he is one of those actors that I just like, oh! It's the Torrance, uh, because I have enjoyed his performance so much. And, you know, even, you know, throughout the the previous series, um, he has been kind of hilarious in his uh, pantomiminess, (laughs) um, for lack of a better word. But, uh, oh, my God, he has really had a chance to to turn on the the talent this season, and um, he's been fantastic. So... Kudos to to Pip Tornes, they're Jack Farthing and Tip Pip Torn. They're making a great team this season.
1: Five tricons to you.
0: Um, so speaking of Tricorns, how many Tricorns did you give this this episode, Rita?
1: I'm going to give it four tricons again. Uh, a great episode, really, that dealt with a lot of topics I'm interested in. But I, I think I struggle with how little Caroline there we're actually getting this season. And I think some of the Valentine Romelza family stuff feels kind of mishandled. Um, Mm. Just because I think he's being introduced to their lives a little bit too early. Um, Yeah. But other than that, you know, can't complain.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I agree with you about the, the introduction of uh, Valentine into the Poldark family. Um, It's happening uh really really quickly. Um but you know, it's one of the, it's you know, this is just this is what we get for them making uh Valentine's uh parentage uh such a major plot point uh in the modern adaptation. You know, it's it's something that is implied and 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 uh referenced um hashtag in the books. Um but it's not something that we we see and uh you know in the in the the way the story um peels out uh when the books get started up after the the 10-year break but uh we're not going to talk about that yet but
1: i suppose ross would look like a real dickhead if he just like pretended valentine wasn't there all the time oh
0: i know i know uh with this with this adaptation yeah he would he would be a real asshole um so you know i and honestly the kid that plays valentine is fucking breaking my heart when i see him being so neglected over at trenwith i mean <laughs> the scene where Ross brings uh, brings uh, Valentine back, and, you know, Uncle Carrie, even though Uncle carrie has been a little busy, um, they don't even notice that the, the boy's gone. And the nurse doesn't even mention anything.
1: That's very Home Alone, isn't it? Like, come on. Yeah,
0: so, anyhow.
1: Um, I'm going to give
0: it 4.5. I mean, I'll know perfect when I see it, I'm sure we're going to get one of those this year. And this was pretty darn close to perfect. Um, I do agree with you about the the Caroline storyline. But it, hey, at least we had her and Horace, and
1: Horace. show Yay.
0: up at the beginning of this.
1: Horace looks like
0: he's gotten a little bigger. I
1: suspect that <laughs> might be a different Horace people.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, looks, he, he was looking kind of huge as she's carrying him. I was like, oh, God. He's, that's a, that's a mighty big pug. And, uh, oh, did you hear him give a little growl when she gave him to, gave him to Dwight? It was so cute. And then when Dwight put him on the ground, another little...
1: No, <laughs> I was being carried by
0: mommy
1: Sweet, 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 sweet
0: puppy. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get a perfect one this season, I'm sure.
1: Well, um, when I asked everyone how many tricorns they would of the episode on Twitter. 69% of people gave it five tricorns. That's almost 70%. (laughs) People think this was perfect. Um, 21% (laughs) gave it four tricorns. 3% gave it three tricorns. 7% two tricorns. Some people out there really hate it.
0: Oh wow. that's awesome. I love getting the the tricorn count um, off Twitter. It's, that's it's great. nice
1: to know where we stand with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, off to critics' corner. Uh, we had to go to our old faithful Louise Melora of Den of Geeks review. She summed up the George storyline perfectly. Quote: Many the time on Poldark that the sight of George Warleggan being dunked into icy water would have sent up the cheeriest of panto cheers. tee hoo Hoo-hoo-hoo! We'd say the devil had it coming. Give him a leech for me. <laughs> um, one time, one for every time, he hung a pauper, cut a wage, or sold a governess to a well-connected <laughs> rapist. <laughs> Jack Farthing, being an awkward sort, though, he will insist on having such talent that it's impossible to enjoy his character being mistreated so. However hateful George Warleggan's actions, Farthing is always careful to leave an ounce of humanity in the man, enough to make you want to reach for him at the cliff top rather than boot him over the edge. At the sight of Valentine, happy in the bosom of the Poldark family, George gave the briefest of smiles, and it was enough to keep the door to the possibility of redemption ajar.
1: Oh, I mean... he's he he's standing on the cusp for me i'm feeling incredibly sad i'm sure he's gonna ruin for ruin this feeling oh
0: absolutely absolutely but
1: uh oh it's nice while it lasts
0: so um let's head over to the inbox um what's happening over on instagram
1: uh rummy zz rummy zz still compromised anything said this is a much better episode largely because we saw more of the core characters thank goodness george didn't kill uncle carrie we really can't afford to lose the excellent pip torrens Mm
0: -hmm. we could
1: well do with getting rid of the panto villain though bye ralph
0: (laughs) bye ralph um let's see multi-fandom edits said tonight's episode was incredible i loved every minute of it Although I have never really liked George, I feel genuinely sorry for him. Valentine is so sweet, and I love the scene with him and Ross. Marwenna and Drake are adorable. I love them so much. They are made for each other. The rescue at the mine had me on the edge of my seat. I was so worried. I'm so glad most of them made it out safely. Sam is such a true hero. I love him so much. I feel that Ned is too reckless, and I am worried about what he will do. I was also partly annoyed at Ross, as he has affected... His friendship with Dwight due to this. Yeah, uh, he really has. Um, All in all, I can't wait for next week's episode. I
1: can't wait for Dwight to tell him I told you so, because Dwight is never wrong.
0: (laughs) Nope, he isn't.
1: Oh, didn't he look fine at the party? Oh my God, his waistcoat is That waistcoat?
0: Oh, I am such a sucker for waistcoats. That
1: was beautiful. His hair is back to its, like, floppiness floppy yes floppy yes floppy dreams
0: <laughs> yes and i i loved the the line when he's talking to caroline he says part part of the benefit of being a wealthy squire is i can treat my i can treat my patients without having to give them any money i mean it was it was so cute it was like oh he's finally accepted the fact that he's he's a wealthy squire now <laughs> yeah. oh yay anyway and I love the way he sits in that, in that, uh, Bauer, Oh. you know, when he's thinking about stuff, whenever you know, he has an important like this... letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, I think, I wonder if that really kind of goes back to, you know, some of the, the challenges that he was having with PTSD after his, um, uh, imprisonment at, um. Uh, in France. Oh, that you know? reminds
1: me when the explosion goes off at the cave you can see Dwight uh, yeah. visibly yeah. react. Yeah. Oh god, Luke Norris, yeah. you're doing the yeah. most with the least <laughs> amount of screen time.
0: Oh dude, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, okay.
1: so. <laughs> on Twitter. On to, on to Twitter. Uh, Paul Duckhart said, I think I'm gonna need seven days to process what the hell went on in that episode. But whatever, <laughs> it was brilliant. I wasn't prepared for this. I even liked the stuff that was so very hashtag not in the books, and this confused me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, we, us too. Um, let's see. Ladybird said Did anyone notice that Ross managed to get the money needed for Jeffrey Charles' army support while George is a madman now? Uh, pressed Carrie Warleghan George will be furious if he gets well. <laughs>
1: I felt kind of bad then, for <laughs> for Uncle Carrie. I was like, "Wow, he is taking, you know, taking him for granted. He's got a lot of shit on his plate." <laughs> well, you
0: know, they
1: can you you know, it's just a bit of money. They suddenly have enough of it.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh,
1: let's see. <laughs> Tara, Tara Reva said, I feel that the moment George wandered to an empire and saw Valentine with Ross and family, he knew deep down inside that Valentine is really a Poldoc. I think what made him want to end his life. Wait, I think that's what made him want to end his life. I also think Ross feels the connection to Valentine. I also can't believe I've been feeling bad for George. Laughing, crying face. (laughs) I'm glad they have brought attention to mental illness into the series. I feel that George always suffered. That's why he has such an ass. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, more crying emoji faces and it's funny. Uh, Can't wait until next Sunday. I hope George shoots his uncle. No! No! We need Pim (laughs) around!
0: We do, we do. Um, Let's see. In email, uh, Lindsay said, I'm really enjoying Debbie Horsfield's take on Winston Graham's storytelling. He is a storytelling genius, but watching this story unfold through Debbie's modern egalitarian lens is really enjoyable. It gives the characters new depth and their struggles a new perspective. I guess Demelza in particular, as an equal to Ross, is giving me the warm and fuzzies. I love the characters reflecting back on events from their lives in season one and making sense of these as we all do in relationships. Demilza owning her part in seducing Ross and then the chat with Ross in bed about it was cute and tender at the same time. It brings the story together and adds further perspective on season one events and how they happened. It also ties the story together for us a bit as we We'll all be left in a dark vacuum after episode eight. Demelza is more self-assured and Ross is finally valuing who Demelza is openly. It was good to see Horace and it was good to hear Demelza muttering Judas. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the musings. They're all interesting and enjoyable, even if I don't always agree with all opinions expressed.
1: I think we got a Judas Ross. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh, are we back in season one? Yes. Okay. Our next uh, email was from Absolutely Addicted Poldarky. It was actually, forgive me for editing it, it was really quite long. But I wanted to include some of the gems from it. Uh, I. She said, I simply adore our precious Ramelza moments. The opening scene on the Mm -hmm. cliffs, they're reminiscing on their past. The scene in the bedroom was so sweet when she sings, his Mm -hmm. look of pure adoration. And Ramelza in the tub. More please, 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 (laughs) Demi. Although (laughs) I still wish for the sexy times, I'm grateful for their closeness, their solidarity as a couple. Speaking of solidarity as a couple... How about Carolite? Yes. Question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Uh These two are simply amazing to watch. We need more Caroline. Gabriella is tremendously talented. And I hope we get to see more. Kudos to Horace as well. How these two speak through him is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, my heart literally broke with jack farthing's performance i was in tears to witness such brutality at the hands of those in the medical profession those trusted individuals who supposedly care for their suffering patients was almost too much to bear thank god for dr dwight our hero when george broke free he escaped chenwith in his nightshirt and peered into the window of nampara and the cliff Oh, my God, (laughs) I was a mess. There was a time when I would have uh, relished seeing George dunked into a tub of ice water, but not now. He's so vulnerable, completely lost and unaccepting of reality. It broke me. And Uncle Carrie, OMG, I thought he had been shot. He's getting very good at running interference, though, and covering for his nephew.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Great email. Thank you, Polderky. Um, Christina said, when I think about Poldark, the first thing that comes to my mind are the mines in Cornwall. So I am pleased that they have left London, which feels less Poldark, and they are back home. Moreover, in the 504 teaser, Ross wants to buy Wheel Plenty. I hope that by the end of the series he is able to get Wheel Leisure back as it was a Poldark mine and the first one he started working. And when he came back in series one, that would be sweet. Uh, Demelza is a pure soul. When Valentine shows up at Nampara. we all know that he is Ross's son and not George. Uh, if I were Demelza, I don't think I would have been able to handle it as well as she does. Not because I don't like the child, but because of the unfaithfulness he represents. I am skidding. <laughs> I am getting. Yeah. Sick of Ned. <laughs> yes. I, I love Kitty. Love Kitty to death think she's fabulous ned Ah,
1: not so much i'm kind of like kitty what do you see in Ned? he's just annoying
0: (laughs) oh let's see um not really interested in that storyline if i liked him i would want ross to help him but i don't think he's worth the trouble he's causing lastly i wish demelza gets pregnant in this series ross and demelza need to have one more daughter bella I wonder if she is going to be born this series or if they are skipping that storyline.
1: Oh, I, I hope we get to see one last pregnancy announcement for the kid old. <laughs> you know,
0: honestly, I think that's going to be the cliffhanger.
1: Oh. And what about that scene where Clarence was like, ooh, I want to go. Ah! Ooh, I want to go in there. It's like, ooh. Ooh, with What's going on over there?
0: Oh, yeah, because... Honey, they're, they're mm, not gonna say it now. We'll save it for
1: the Ooh. book club. Um, <laughs> last email was from Ivy. She said, I think this was by far the most action packed episode I've seen in a long time. That party. Oh my god, that guest list. Caroline, what were you thinking? Every sociopath and rapist within 25 miles was there. As Ross put it, could it get any worse? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was hilarious
1: <laughs> that
0: you know how ross is when he goes to parties i mean you know we we see him you know can, can we go <laughs> home you know after caroline and dwight's wedding and you know when he's at the church for the the saul fest um you know can we go you know can, i think he'd
1: rather home? be there in that be like collapsing mind then <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> okay she continued with that bad slave owner guy despot whatever He needs to die. Today. Kill him. Maybe Demelza, (laughs) Kitty, and Caroline will put a Kill Bill-style execution on him. Like I can dream, right? Uh, Never thought I'd say this, but poor George. I'm so glad Dwight rescued him. But if he is restored to sanity, he will still be a ruthless, vindictive piece of crap. Question mark. Time will tell. Tess needs to go already. (laughs) She should have been decked for her prostitute comment. Wish I could have magically <laughs> entered the scene and put on a co- put her in a chokehold until she apologised to Mistress Poldog. Good and proper <laughs> luck. It's so annoying and frustrating that Demelza is so blind to this test storyline. Seems it's common knowledge test tried to burn Nampara to the ground, but everyone is so nonchalant about Demelza being so easily sold on the brats words. The old Ross would have sent her packing to another county T-Bone already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he he kicked oh, Jot out for doing less. It's kind of weird. He's like, honestly, you try to burn the house down, honestly, but you still work there.
0: Honestly, yeah, yeah. And here's the here's the conflicted thing. Well, and I suppose it's not really, um, uh, it shouldn't really be a conflict, but you see her, you see Tess wavering, you know, she goes back and forth between, you know, wanting to strike out against, um, you know, these, you know, folks that are, you know, not, I suppose, gentry? Yeah, so she wants to strike out against the gentry, but then you see her observing what uh, all the Melza does for, um, the, the common folk. Uh, you know, the the giving out uh, food, the idea about um, education, you know, all of these things. And you see Tess on the um, kind of the, the outskirts of these scenes with this almost look of longing. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, watch her in um, some of your rewatches and just to see kind of how that conflict is manifesting in Yeah
1: her. totally uh, it's great performance and mm-hmm. i think i totally understand demelza's perspective because there is something incredibly relatable about mm-hmm. tess for how she has yeah. m- none of the opportunities that demelza was given so the envy is incredibly mm-hmm. human and natural she j- it's just manifesting mm-hmm. in some really Unhealthy ways to put it politely, and yeah. again, she doesn't have any education, yeah. so can you really blame her? <sighs> so nah. yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: okay. So let's head on. Let's head on over to Tumblr. Uh, Zoe Reed says, "Do people not have pores in Cornwall? <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen such magnificent skin. Their dental care leaves something to be desired, but damn, that sea air must be a powerful microderm." <laughs> Uh, P.S. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh,
1: Anonymous said, "Overall, I enjoyed the episode. Jack Farthing was superb. I'm really look- I'm really hoping that at some stage during filming, Team Poldark realised that Caroline was main cast, not an extra." Uh... Did enjoy her comment to Lady Whitworth though. The show is hard <laughs> a hard watch when Caroline's your favourite character. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We hear ya. We hear ya. Um, Anon- another anonymous uh, writes in, Great episode, ladies. Loved all the references to season one. Uh, Demelza going to Ross and Ross saying he would have fetched her. <laughs> that was cute. Um, loved Demelza in the tin bath, but wish he had sponged her down or at least stood with a <laughs> towel. He sat on the bed for fuck's sake. Um, who is the director of... The <laughs> who is director? Who is the director? His girlfriend? Lol. <laughs> Uh, Jack is fab again, and Dwight, too. Would have loved Ross to have thanked Demelza for being kind to Valentine and letting him stay. Uh, Feel so sorry for that child. Ross is trying hard not to get too involved. He knows he is his son deep down. It was lovely to see family man Ross. Do you think Elizabeth dying has made him see sense and realize what he has? Because since Elizabeth died, Ross and Demelza are both kinder to each other. Some of it's down to them both declaring their love to each other in 408, gave them a clean slate and renewed confidence.
1: I think that it might have offered him some sense of perspective that, like, is not going to be around forever. There is a mm-hmm. looming sense of mortality to Ross in that final, well, not the final book, but, you know, that book. And also, them, and they're it, just older and more mature. You know, it's got to yeah, happen to people yeah. eventually. Yeah. You know, they've both,
0: they've both stumbled and fallen. And, um, so they are, um, you know, they have that perspective to kind of add to, you know, the the life that they have, um, they're living together. Um, you know, there, you, you mentioned that, uh, the perspective that Elizabeth's death, um, gives Ross on his mortality, um, that's referenced at the end of, uh, Angry Tide. They did, they did a little bit of that at the end of 408. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see that the two of them, um, really bonding, you know, that, that the, the bond of their marriage has, has grown, uh, much deeper, uh, through the, the struggles that they have had. Uh, not to say that you have to go through something like that in order to have a a, a deep, uh, loving relationship with a partner. Um, but you hope not. No, you really would. Um, but um, uh, anyhow, one of the things that was referenced in this was uh would have loved Ross to have thanked Demelza for being kind to Valentine and letting him stay. You could see that in the look that Ross gave Demelza. Um, when she uh introduced the the you know their children to valentine and kind of sent them off to play uh the look that ross gives to melza basically restored my heart from the whole uh scene of jack um or george being you know drowned and straightjacketed and all of that stuff it was it was really a lovely thing to see and so they are saying i love you so many times in this series but it's all unspoken and you see it in their eyes like the the look on ross's face when demelza was singing and the look on her face as she was singing um you know it it ugh, ugh.
1: okay you're now officially well, goo just, on the ground
0: i am i'm goo i'm i'm goo
1: i'm goo Okay. time going. for wig talk. Wig talk. Oh we got one Oh more yeah up. shit. I got ahead of myself. No. <laughs> I was so excited to talk about that wig. Um, one final <laughs> question from Single Scriptures said, um, some jumbled thoughts on episode three. This was a recap of Ramal's Greatest Hits, season one edition, and I'm a sucker for a bit <laughs> of nostalgia. Caroline yeah. managed to throw the most awkward party ever, but it was <laughs> worth it to hear her throw shade at Lady Whitworth. <laughs> I'm finding the more I grow agree- to like Kitty, the more I dislike Ned. Same Z. Yeah. Uh That yeah. reckless streak is not so endearing when it's not accompanied by a certain dark brooding figure in a dodgy wick. <laughs> 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 Poor George... All was forgiven as soon as we saw him begin his treatment. Kudos, Jack Farthing. You deserve all the awards. And poor Valentine might as well be a ghost too, considering no one in Tranwith answers him when he talks to them. Right? It's right? It's like Casper the friendly ghost situation. Glad he found his way to Nampara for my favourite scene of the episode Demelza introducing him to Jeremy and Clowance. This was Peak Demelza and why I love her character. Kind, compassionate, and forgiving. Now it's time for Wig Talk. Yes. Can we Wig Talk? Can we Wig Talk? Talk about where it's growing still fucking ugly like uh, at a certain point i was like is that thing moving um it really looks like a dead animal
0: oh god yeah it's it's just looking crazy and the the new side part is just annoying the 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 f out of me
1: especially egregious because whenever i see like comparison gift sets between season one and season five that should look really great it's like oh there's a thing on ross's head
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's really hard um to get every now and then to get those reminders of of the season one hair of magnificence um It's jarring then to see kind of, kind of where things are at now. And I understand he didn't want to have to grow his hair out and he was in a play and, you know, he kind of started to get the hair growing out, but you know, I understand. I I get it. I really get it. But
1: uh, God, you're a lot more understanding than me. I don't get it. (laughs) He looked in the mirror. They all looked at him. They did tests like this was a group effort like this was yeah. sanctioned from on yeah. high they were like this is acceptable and it's not i'm here to tell you no no
0: <laughs> rita is passionate about the wigs Hmm. okay so um uh, let's look ahead to next week's episode and let's listen to the trailer
2: Sir George has taken refuge in a world of shadows. He needs to learn that it is safe to return to this one. Do you suppose there are spies here? I think it's wise to assume they're everywhere. Can a mother truly forget a son she birthed?
1: She had no choice but to give up John Conan. My father's chosen me a husband.
2: Who is a fortunate soul? I came to make an offer for plenty. Ollie. It's worth the risk. Is your marriage? All they ask is common
0: decency. How do you answer? With this. Uh, episode description from Radio Times. Uh, Ross is given hope for the Despars' return to Honduras, but finds his new arch enemy, Ralph Hansen, has returned to Truro. Wait a
1: second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he left for Bristol for some reason. Oh, wait, right. to get. That's right. To get Cecily yeah. away from Jeffrey Charles, yeah.
0: Right, right. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, so Ralph Hansen gets back to Toro. Joy. Dwight gains an unexpected patient, though his absences from home have unforeseen consequences. What the hell does that mean? Um, and Morwenna starts to slip away from the village in secret. Ralph enlists Tess and the disgruntled locals to set a plot in motion to undo the disbars and the darks. Oh, fur.
1: Mark's. I'm sure Tess will need loads of encouragement. God. Ralph is really like pantomime villain levels of like Yeah,
0: yeah, he really is now. He really is now.
1: The whole Ugh. he rapes twelve-year-old girls thing was like so really mm-hmm.
0: That was really, really revolting. That was really revolting. So what are you looking forward to next week? Uh
1: Dwight having a storyline and potentially helping George sounds good to me.
0: Yes! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm very interested in hearing or in seeing what Morwen is up to.
1: I think I know!
0: I think that she is starting a little school or something like that.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I I know. She is creeping on John Conan. Oh, God, really? Yes. Uh, This is some Handmaid's Tale, that chick going after Hannah, uh... level like this is gonna get ugly and it's gonna be it's gonna be incredibly awkward for that child who's stuck in the middle yeah okay (laughs) on that uplifting note uh we have another new design up on our merch site it's a scythes not size (laughs) 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 t-shirt it's really great uh Again, you can get it as a sticker or a mug or many different articles of clothing. You do you. If you're interested, then head on over to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash Poldark Funds from the store help cover hosting costs for the podcast, so we would really appreciate the support if you could buy yes, something. And the whole store is on sale for the next few hours, I think, like maybe about 18 hours left. Get in there and get those discounts, because they will be gone soon. Okay.
0: Yes. It's like 35% off. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, come on now.
1: Um, Now it's time for the pulled card game questions. Oh!
0: You gonna get that one this week?
1: Yes. Okay. Okay. Let me shuffle. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's not like they're in any kind of order, but... I have three cards. Pick between one and three. Three. Okay. First question. When Demelza asks Moena how Reverend Whitworth is treating her, what does Moena call him? A. A good husband. B. Her true love. C. A monster. Uh, C. Si. That would be correct. Uh,
0: yes. C. Si. A monster.
1: After reassuring George about her relationship with Ross... Elizabeth makes him swear on the Bible that he will not suspect her again. True or false? True. True, yes. Immediately after their marriage, which house did George and Elizabeth move into?
0: Immediately after their marriage, they moved into Trenwith.
1: Yes, they did. Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yes, they did. Because, you know, George has always wanted that damn house.
1: I don't get it. It, It's apparently very noisy. You can't like shout at anybody without people unbelief you, like hearing the whole thing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh.
1: Okay. So that is all from us this time. But we will be back next week recapping and discussing episode 504. Can you believe it's almost episode (sighs) four time?
0: Oh.
1: We're halfway through.
0: Halfway through. Oh my gosh.
1: No! <laughs> Until mm. then, follow us on social media where we will keep you guys up to date with new promotional photos that came out last night, uh, cast interviews that came out yesterday, and just, you know, general pull dark news. Pull yeah. news. We are at Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like it to be read out in our inbox section, then email us at PoldockFanCast at gmail.com or go to our message page on Tumblr. And remember, you can now listen to us on Spotify. So remember to follow us on there or, you know, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, thank you Mm -hmm. for listening and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.
2: Bye, a man decides after seventy years that what he goes there for is to unlock the door. Those around and criticize and sleep I Through a fractal on a breaking wall I see you my friend And touch your face again Miracles will happen as we dream. But we're never gonna survive Survive unless we are a little crazy. Crazy yellow yeah, people walking through my head. One of them's got a gun to shoot the other one, and yet together they were friends at school.